Growing a successful design business is hard work. There's so much to do and so little time to get it all done, not to mention the actual design work. The good news is that we are here to help. I'm Krista, the WordPress developer and website strategist from KristaRay.co. And I'm Corey, the designer and creative coach from CoreyWoodard.com. In the Get Back to Design podcast, we're going to share strategies and tools to help streamline and grow your design business, ditch the code and anything else you don't love, and well, get back to design. Grab a cup of coffee, open that Illustrator file you've been working on, and let's dive in. Okay, so lately, I, at least in my personal inbox, have been getting a lot of like replies from designers who are interested in working with a developer, but like it seems overwhelming and they're not sure about the how of it. So they know they want to do it, but how to do it is just like super overwhelming. So I want to dive into the entire process today. And you guys, this might seem overwhelming, but it will become part of your process as you start working through and it might even help your own process. So hopefully this will be helpful today. Yeah, I'm really happy that we are talking about this finally because I feel like I originally wanted to start working with a developer probably two years ago, if maybe not even longer than that because that's how sick of coding I was. (laughs) Um, But I was like, Aside from obviously finding someone who my clients could afford, I had literally no clue what to do. Like when we first started doing work together, it was like, well, what do you want from me? I don't know how to do this for you. So (laughs) I'm really excited to kind of dive in a little bit more on this. Yes, exactly. So there are like a whole bunch of stages is how I kind of think of it. So we're going to go over the different stages today. And before we dive in, I'll just kind of list off what I have. So we have some stuff for before you start your first project. So before, you know, you're going into your first project with the developer, what do you need to know and do? We'll talk about onboarding, your design phase, how to hand everything off to the developer, what to expect in the development phase, revisions, installation, and support. So, I don't know. I didn't count. Was that like seven or eight I don't know, but it does sound overwhelming. (laughs) I think it sounds more overwhelming than it actually is once you get started. I think so, too. Yeah, when I get on calls with designers who want to work together and they ask me to explain how I work, I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. And I just, like, (laughs) blurt it all out. I'm like, so, are you overwhelmed (laughs) now? But really, it's not bad. So, we will dive right in with what to do or expect before you start your first project with the developer. So step one is to find the right person to work with. And I cannot emphasize enough how important this is. Because if you are working with someone whose communication doesn't line up with yours, whose deadlines don't line up with yours, who you just don't plain like, these projects are going to get so much more difficult than they have to be. So for example, a project I've talked about before that I did back in January of this year, the designer wasn't as tight on deadlines as I was. And that was a huge problem. We ended up canceling the project because of it. And if if we both would have thought of that, if that's something she would have thought of, and maybe something I need to add to my questionnaire even, um, we would have been able to avoid all the stress that went with it. So look for people that have the same kind of communication style as you, get on a call with them, make sure you get along, all that good stuff. Corey, do you have any tips for finding the right person or things to look out for or to look for specifically? 
I definitely think that when you're looking for the right person, you kind of want to look at the same things that you would look at when you are getting a client and kind of keeping an eye out for red flags because the deadline thing is a really, really big one here. Like when we have a current project together through Coded Creative, and I know that if I'm behind in a couple of weeks when you're supposed to take over the project, that is going to screw up your schedule, not just for that project, but for everything else you have working on and your life in general. So that's a big one. You need to know and feel confident that they can hit the deadlines, even if not just for you, but so you know that your client is going to get their project in a timely manner. I think going right along with that would be communication. You want to have someone obviously who is going to get back to you and let you know if they're struggling on something or if they need to take a couple days off if they had got sick or um, you know, had some kind of family emergency, those things are really important too. So I would say just kind of think about the same red flags that you look for with clients and kind of also apply that to looking for a developer. I love that point about kind of like look for red flags. So we shouldn't like totally make a full episode about this and we probably will about how to yep. find the right person. <laughs> but like look at their website. Do they look like they know what they're doing? Do you see services? Do you see past work? Do you see proof that they learned all of this stuff somewhere? So we should definitely dive into this. But step one, before you do anything, find the right person or two. After that, you want to update your service offerings to account for your developer's pricing and timeline. So your life is gonna be so much easier during onboarding if your services page lists out the total cost of a web design project along with the total timeline instead of saying, you know, it's gonna be $1,000 um, for web design and the project is six weeks. And then after the client contacts you having to be like, oh, actually it's gonna be doubled both the price and timeline because my developer wasn't included. So you definitely want to include all these things ahead of time and that's why um, step one was to find the right person because you'll want to talk to them, incorporate all of your packages, make one big awesome offering. Exactly, and I need to just interject here because I made this mistake when I was first interested in no longer offering development like seriously. So in the past, I guess, year, when I've really started to work with you. And that mistake, I did exactly what you just said. So I had my price, I had my timeline, and it said development and installation is not included. Number one, depending on the type of clients that you take on, my clients had no clue what that even meant. So when they came to me and they wanted a whole entire website design and I said, you know, what's your budget and that sort of thing, they would say, well, here's my budget, which barely covers like my design fee. And then they would also be like, well, I don't know what you mean by development. I don't know what you mean by installation. And inevitably I would lose those clients because they had the budget for me and they didn't have the budget for also someone else. So it's really important that you make these things clear on your website. You don't necessarily have to say, hey, so-and-so is going to be developing 
sculpting yeah. the site and get like really nitty gritty in those details, but you definitely want the price and timeline to be clear and there so that people know before they even inquire with you what to expect. Yep. Awesome. Good points. So after you have your service offerings figured out, you want to update your questionnaires, your intake forms in in the similar way to include all the stuff for your developer, again, to make the onboarding process easier. So a lot of times what will happen with me is I'll get an inquiry from a designer with maybe a quarter of the information I need, and then I have to email them a whole bunch more questions that they have to then go back and ask the client. So that's another back and forth between several people that needs to happen. Um, If you can communicate with your developer before you get an inquiry and ask what they need to know, you can add those questions right into your intake form. So this is what I do with all the designers I work with. I actually link them right to my own intake form and then they can go ahead and add those questions to theirs. So that just adds, um, that just removes an extra step from onboarding. You can get the quote right the first time and it just makes everyone's life so much easier. Yeah, I think that's a great idea. Awesome. So that are the those are the three main things you want to do before you start your first project. There might be some, you know, it might be some more things that pop up, but those are the big ones, the big things you don't want to forget about. So we are now going to move on to onboarding. So you have your developer lined up, your packages are down. What happens before you actually book a project or while you are booking? And this can get tricky just depending on your preferences and your developer's preferences. So we will get into some of those things. But when you get an inquiry, you want to pass absolutely everything you know about the project onto your developer for a final quote and timeline. So even if you think it's a little piece of information that they don't care about, give them that information. Like something a lot of people miss with me is like inspiration websites. I love getting inspiration sites because a really minimalist feel is going to be less expensive than something totally complicated with all these special features. So that helps me know like extra questions to ask if I need to upcharge a little bit for like a super complicated design and things like that. So even if you think something is not important at all, pass that information on your developer. Yeah, that's a really good idea, especially with the inspiration websites, because we know as designers, when we see these, well, that's their inspiration. So obviously, we're not going to copy those, but we're going to give them something that has a somewhat similar feel. And if you have a website design that's got all kinds of crazy features or unique things, your developer definitely needs to know that because I can totally see how if I had an inquiry for someone and you would be like, oh, it's going to be super simple, like all of the other projects that you've done for me, and then (laughs) send it to you and you'd be like, you didn't tell me there were going to be 15 sliders and all these other (laughs) custom features. And I'd be like, oh, sorry. (laughs) Pay up, woman. (laughs) Yep. Okay, awesome. So after you ask all those questions and get the final quote and timeline from your developer is when you can actually send a proposal. So Corey and I have this worked out pretty nice. She has a proposal template. And after we've done our chatting about the project, she works up a proposal with absolutely everything that's included in both design and development and sends that to their client to her client. A lot of times at this point, Corey, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of times they don't even know that I exist. Like they don't need to. They just need to know what they're getting, how much it's going to cost and how long it's going to take. 
Yeah, I know. I don't think, I think for a couple of projects I've included, hey, there is going to be another person that's doing your development. But for some projects, I just leave that out. Yeah, and this is something I guess that's been different um, throughout for all the designers I work with. Some prefer that the client knows that I exist and like can even email back and forth with me, and some want totally a white label where the person doesn't even know that I'm a thing and you know thinks as of the designer as the one who's doing all the development. So it's totally up to you, and that actually plays into these next couple things we're going to talk about. So that is the contract and invoice. So. These can work in a couple of different ways. If you don't want your client to know that your developer exists, you and your developer have to have a contract in place together where your developer's protected. They know that if something goes wrong, you're not going to be like, oh, never mind, I didn't do this. There's this hidden person behind the scenes, things like that. So in this case, if that's what you were doing, you and your developer would have a contract and you would have a contract with your client. As far as the invoicing, you would invoice your client for the full amount and then pay your developer, you know, based on their schedule. For me, I take 50% upfront and 50% before I do the installation. So you would be the one responsible for paying that out. Um, on the other hand, if you want your developer and client to have a relationship and maybe you're thinking of it more as you're taking care of design and then stepping back and your developer is the one handling your client, then maybe um, you and your client will have a contract and the developer and your client will have a contract. As far as invoices go, then you would send an invoice to your client and the developer would also send one. So there are a couple different ways this works. There's even a a hybrid method, which I've actually been using more often now. Um, The way I have been doing things recently is the designer and client have a contract and I have a contract with both the client and designer because things come up and we need to protect ourselves as developers doing way too much work on a website. And then um, just because it's easier for the client, usually I have the designer invoice for the full amount and then pay me so the client doesn't have invoices flying in from all different directions. But you can probably see it just really depends on how you and your developer prefer to work and how what you want your client experience to look like from your client's perspective. Do you want them getting contracts from multiple people? invoices for multiple people and who do you want them communicating with totally i think at the end of the day the most important thing is that you're making sure that not just you are going to be covered if something goes wrong but that your developer is also going to be covered if something goes wrong on their end because of you because of them because of the client whatever Mm -hmm. it is you all need to be protected so yeah Yes, definitely. <laughs> you you gave me a look like you're thinking of certain situations, but yes, everybody needs to and deserves to be protected with this. So that is all that goes into onboarding. So we had the kind of the inquiry, proposal, contract, and invoice. So after all of that is taken care of and the project is booked is when you get to go on to your design phase. And this I kind of think of as you do what you usually do and there's not much else to worry about. Corey, I would love to hear if there's anything extra you think about during the design phase when you're working with me. Absolutely. And the very first one is something that we kind of talked about with the questionnaire. And that would be to make sure that you are getting an idea before you even 
get a quote from your developer if there are going to be any special features. I know sliders are a good example with you, Krista, because you literally mm -hmm. hate them. So <laughs> I always have to know if that's going to be something that I am going to make you do because I know you're going to have an extra charge for that. Um, there can be some things. I know I had a mega menu that I was creating that I had no idea was going to be such a big deal. So I think going back to what we said, make sure you find out everything possible, figure out the inspiration, and then you can send that over to the developer. Because if you're like me, you may not realize how complicated some of these things are to do from a development standpoint. Lesson learned for me on that dang mega menu. <laughs> um, so it is important that you kind of pass that off and you know from the get-go if you're going to be including those things. Um, something else I would say is to make sure that you're including everything you want in the design. And I am saying this because we just talked yesterday <laughs> about our next coded creative theme and you were like, include this in the sidebar because otherwise I am not going to think to do it. <laughs> so that's something else though that's really important for you to think about when you're designing. If you want some kind of special hover feature or whatever like that, you have to make sure that you are including notes to your developer or you are actually showing that feature or extra thing in your design because otherwise your developer's literally not going to know and they're going to guess and get it wrong or mm -hmm. they're not going to do anything special like what you had in mind which is inevit inevitably going to cause more time to be added at the end of the project and you don't want that. And then just going along with that point, make sure that you don't leave out any details. So this is something else that I learned with our very first themes when we were just getting started on creating those together. Like you can't forget about what the hover color for your links are gonna be, for the buttons, what about the headings, the quotes, and all that other kind of thing. There are a lot of different things that go into designs that are just kind of little details, they can spruce up your design and make them look even better. And sometimes you may have things like block quotes or whatever that your clients, you may think they're never gonna use this and then they do and you find out that your developer had some kind of random style or they didn't style them at all, which is even worse. So definitely make sure that you don't leave out any of those details. And if you think you might be forgetting something, go to your website, hover your mouse over different things, like check out what the different headings look like. And that'll give you a better idea too, I think. I like that idea a lot. Something that some of the designers I work with do is have like a separate layer in their file, whether it's Photoshop, Illustrator, whatever, and it's just like hover effects. So I can toggle that layer on and then I'll see the hover effects on things and stuff like that. So just something to keep in mind. That's a really good idea that I think I might steal. <laughs> I, I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> I have a couple other things to add. Things that you can think about as a designer getting ready to pass something off to a developer. Um, first is to think of your design as a grid layout. Um, if you're not classically trained, this might not be something that you do naturally, but think of your design as being broken into maybe 12 sections, whatever works best for you. But when you can do that, your developer can, 
your developer can key in on percentages, which when we're developing, that is the only way to make sure everything is perfect on desktop all the way down to mobile, is if we can use percentages. So think of your design as being broken into halves, fourths, six, like whatever you're doing, whatever works best for the design you have, that's how the way you wanna think about it if you want everything to be absolutely perfect. And then last, just kind of something going off what Corey mentioned, is do not leave any room at all for questions. Because like she was saying, your developer is either going to forget it or do it wrong or not know that it's supposed to exist. So if you think there might be a question about something, just write a note. Like in your, You can even have another layer in your file that's just notes so we can toggle that on and see all the notes you have. So do not leave any room for questions. And of course, if you're not sure about something, whether it's going back from the beginning of what Corey said, and you're not sure if something is included in the original price, you're not sure if your developer needs to know how you're doing something or what you're thinking, just ask. Like, the more questions you can ask while you're doing this, at least for the first time, the better. And then one last thing about your design phase, it should mostly feel natural, like your general design phase that you do nothing should feel totally different. But one step you do want to add is showing your developer the design before asking your client for approval. Because that way, if there is something you forgot to, you know, you didn't realize would be an upcharge, you're not having to go back to your client after they already approved it and be like, oh, never mind, we can't do this. Instead, your developer can be like, okay, we can do this, but I hate sliders, so it's an extra $200 and then you can just take it out or alter your design, something like that. Well, and two, something else here is if you're kind of nervous, because I feel like even if you're really confident in your work, if you're nervous to send something over to a client because you're scared they may not like it as much as you do, just make sure you're sending it over to the developer, A, so they can look at it, and B, say, what do you think of this? Because I know every single time <laughs> I send you a mock-up, you always send me like 10,000 hard eye emojis. So that's always a good confidence boost too. <laughs> See, you are good for lots of things. We make your lives easier and give you confidence boosts. Yes, you need in life. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So after your design is done, your developer gave it the thumbs up, your client loves it. Then it's time for the handoff. And out of all of the steps, even though it feels like we've kind of talked about a lot, everything we've talked about is pretty simple, but this is probably the biggest thing you'll have to add and actually think about in each project. And that is sending everything your developer needs over to them. And really, it sounds like a simple step, but the trick is not forgetting anything. Interrupting the parts of your design projects you love for tasks you don't enjoy doing isn't any fun. For a lot of designers, one of the most frustrating parts of a web design project is the coding and anything else tech related. The design comes easy to you, but then you have to spend hours and hours Googling how to make a simple change to the template you're using to make it just right. Luckily, it doesn't have to be this way. In the free Get Back to Design email series, you'll learn all about how to partner up with the developer on your design projects so you can ditch the code and do more of what you love. We'll talk about what to know before going into your first collaboration, what the process looks like, and how to find the perfect developer for you. To learn more about this free series, head over to getbacktodesign.co slash series. So when I work with designers, I have a checklist that I send over so they can know, but not all developers are going to do that. So some things you need to think about are your client's content, your mock-ups, any brand elements like the favicon, logo, brand board, all your client's images in the correct size and format, 
and all of this on the date you agreed for your developer to start. So that's where, that's where the trickiest part is in all of my project, it seems, is getting all of this stuff right. So I always recommend like practicing this with yourself before you bring on a developer. So the next time you do a project, you can give yourself a date, say, okay, this is the day I want my developer to start. And on that date, literally make yourself a folder of all of these things, all the content, all the brand images, all of the mockups, everything you need as kind of a practice run. So after you have the handoff down is when it's actually time for development. So this is when you can sit back and let your developer do your thing. Hopefully you gave yourself a little time to rest and can actually chill. But if it was me, I would probably just have another project lined up to start. But whatever it is, your developer can take over from there and start coding on the website. Now, as much as I can say you're totally done and won't have to worry about it, there are probably a few things you want to keep in mind. Your developer is going to have questions, especially if it's your first time working with them. There might be things that are missing or things just aren't clear. So, for example, something I've had to point out before is that okay, I can do this thing, but it's going to slow down the load time or be hard for your client to update. So do you want me to do this or this? Um, I'm thinking of doing it this way or this way. Do you have a preference? Just things like that. Um, you also might have questions if you missed like a link hover effect or something, you'll have that come up. A question I just asked a designer I'm working with today was, I see some different copy in the mock-up versus the actual copy document. Which one do you want me to go off of? So just little things like that will come up throughout the project. So you want to make sure that you're really available for questions so your developer can just keep plugging along and not have to sit around and wait for any answers. Totally. Think about how you would want your client to be available. If you mm -hmm. want them to be ready to answer questions, send you what you need, then you need to be able to do the same exact thing for the developer. Yep, exactly. And other than that, as long as you have passed everything on and you're answering questions, you can totally expect a website that looks exactly like your mock-up. So this is another question I see asked quite a bit is, okay, I want to work with a developer, but what should I expect? How close to my mock-up will it actually be? And my goal is always, if you put the two side by side, you would not be able to tell the difference. That's always my goal is to make it absolutely perfect. So you should be able to expect that if you found an experienced developer who knows what they're doing. And then there's just a gorgeous website out in the world that you were responsible for designing and didn't have to touch a line of code to create. So there's a bonus. That's the dream. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably the dream for 95% of web designers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Okay, and then after development, we're almost done here, guys. After development is revisions. And this is, again, going to depend on the developer you work with, but you should expect a round or two of revisions, and what's included, again, will be different. But for me, I always include two rounds of revisions with my designers. And what that means is the designer can go through the website before their client sees it and just point out anything I forgot, anything that should be a little bit closer to the design, um, anything they find that's not working quite right, they have a chance to go through and point all of that stuff out to me. After that, I take care of it within a couple days and give them one more chance to go through and see if I missed anything with that. And after that, by the time your client sees it, it should be absolutely perfect, which makes wrapping everything up so nice and easy. 
I feel like I kind of want to go on a rant here. I know we're already at like probably 25 minutes in this episode, but I do want to say, because I know Krista has dealt with this before, that the revisions your developer gives you, the designer, is not the same as the revisions that you, the designer, gives your client. So if you see this mock-up that you created on the internet and you don't like how it looks... That's too bad. That's the mock-up you created. So that's my little mini soapbox rant. Please keep in mind that revisions are very different. And you and if you aren't sure what the specific kind of revisions your developer can give you, then you definitely want to make sure you're asking that before you agree to take them on and make them part of a project so you actually know what you're going to get and if you will get mm-hmm. anything like that at the end of the project. Yeah, definitely. And for example, if you're a designer who, after you see it on the website, wants people to change a whole bunch of stuff, I wouldn't be a good developer for you. (laughs) On the other hand, if you want it to look exactly like your mock-up right away and just want to be able to run through it quick and make sure you don't miss anything, then I would be a good fit. So it just kind of depends on what you want at the end. But be sure to keep that in mind when you are searching for the right person. Yep. Okay, so after that is installation and support, which means you're done, so you should have had a little party already. But moving from the development site to the live site is usually super easy, nothing you have to worry about, but this, most developers will develop either on their local computer or on a test site, so your client's original site can stay running. Um, and also so they can make sure they get their final payment before handing everything over. But this step is just where your developer goes ahead and moves everything over to the live site. Again, you'll probably get one chance to jump in there and make sure everything went okay in the transfer and nothing got messed up. But after that, you are done and it's time for support. And this is, again, something else that will depend on your developer and you'll want to kind of check into before you decide on someone. Um, For example, for me, I offer two weeks of support for all of my packages and it takes care of like bug fixes, any training the client needs, answering any questions, things like that. Um, But you can expect a support period from most developers out there. And then you're for real done. So I know this sounds like a lot of steps and might have sounded really overwhelming, but a lot of it is just kind of natural and second nature. The biggest learning curve is probably the handoff, which again, if your developer has like a checklist for you or you go ahead and practice yourself one time, it's going to be totally fine. So just having to think about things ahead of time even when you're working with a developer might even help your own process start to go more smoothly. But you probably saw here, overall communication is so, so, so important. All the way from the time you find someone to the time, you know, you're finishing up revisions at the end. You just want to make sure you are communicating. Definitely. And like we said at the very beginning of the episode, everything does sound really overwhelming, especially if you have never done this before and you just listened to this whole episode, your head is probably spinning a little bit right now. But please remember that I was there literally last year before Krista and I ever worked together. I had no clue what to expect, no clue what to send her. I literally created WordPress theme designs that had no headings. She had no clue what to do with the block quotes, like lots of stuff where if it was anyone else, they probably would have yelled at me and never worked with me ever again. But it is a little bit of a learning curve. And once you do it a couple of times, Everything is a breeze. So for example, we've created what I think maybe seven or eight themes together now. Mm -hmm. I know 
everything that you need. I know everything I need to be including in the designs and how to hand it off to you in the best way. Now it's like there's not even a second thought. So mm-hmm. it's so smooth once you get the hang of it. Yeah, for sure. I'm pretty sure we can do it now without even having to talk about anything. I just see your little Dropbox notification that things are there and I get to it. So it really does get easier. I promise. Yep. Okay, so your action item for today is the little exercise I mentioned earlier. So with the next design project you get, whether it's something semi-custom and you're not doing much coding or it's fully custom and you're just going to power through and go through all the code, organize everything as if you were going to work with a developer. So take note of the date you would pass the information and all the files over to your developer. Take note of anything you decide on the fly while you're setting up a site, all the files you need. Make yourself a checklist of this process and also make yourself a folder. So after your design is done, make yourself a folder. And when you're going through development, try to only use what is in that folder and see if you can do it or if there's anything you missed. And if you miss something, add it to your checklist. Thank you so much for listening. For show notes, past episodes, and more information about the two of us, visit us online at getbacktodesign.co. If you enjoyed today's show, it would mean the world to Krista and I if you take two minutes to head on over to iTunes and leave a review. While you're there, don't forget to subscribe so you can be the first to know when new episodes are available. Now put what you learned into action so you can streamline and grow your business, ditch the code, and get back to design. Design.